You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Fired Up Broncos podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach Seegers, and man, we got a good one for you today. We've got uh, Joey Richards, also known as JR Drafts, uh, an excellent up-and-coming wunderkind in the uh, uh, Broncos media community um, on the show with us coming up later here in a bit. Um, we're going to look at uh, the defensive training camp battles. Of course, last week we looked at the ones on the offensive side of the ball. This week we'll be focusing on defense. And we've also got a bunch of questions, uh, great questions, by the way, uh, to you listening out there. Um, but got a bunch of questions um, from people on my Twitter account, at Zach underscore Seegers, that's Z-A-C-H underscore S-E-G-A-R-S. Um, got some good questions there. Uh, so Joey and I will be answering those as well. So stay tuned for that. Um, but first, as always, going to uh, address um, some of the, the pressing news topics myself here solo before getting to our guest. Um, really just a couple minor things because there is so much I want to get to in regard to that loaded Broncos defense and the camp battles going on uh, going on there, as well as uh, a lot of great questions. Again, really blew me away there. Then I, I want to spend some good time on that. So we'll be quick um, with the headlines. First one, and this one, I mean, it's hard to have anything but a positive take here. Peyton Manning, uh, officially elected to the ring of fame, um, uh, yeah, this is fantastic. Uh, absolutely deserves it. You know, definitely one of the top 10 players in franchise history. You know, I think a lot of people would argue he's in the top five, uh, considering what he brought um, to Denver. And, you know, the Broncos have been in the quarterback wasteland in that uh, post Elway, pre Manning period. Post Manning, they're back in the quarterback wasteland. Uh, now, hopefully, they're able to get out of that. But. For now, still still wandering the desert, so uh, I definitely feel the pain there. And yeah, uh, Manning put together one of the greatest uh, quarterbacking seasons in NFL history, if not the greatest. Um, you know, deserves tons and tons and tons and tons of love for that, uh, even more so than he has um, received up until this point. Um, so yeah, Ring of Fame, that's a no-brainer. Starting to run out of room uh, with that Ring of Fame, so I, I wonder what they're going to do there. Um, I also saw people, I believe it was Ryan Konigsberg over at DNVR, shout out to him, uh, uh, mentioning, you know, it's time they add just the second one of those 18 billboards rather than having the Manning Trapuca dual one. I do think it'd look a little weird, but I agree. Like you don't want to disrespect Trapuca by like flipping which names on top or anything. Um, you definitely want to honor both, but it does feel weird to have Manning as a bit of a footnote there. So um, maybe we we will get to see uh, Manning with his very own um, uh, billboard here in the near future. Uh, though that does seem more, or rather less likely to me, rather. Uh, going on to the other bit of news, and this one is, is a little sillier, uh, though I'm sure it'll get some people heated. Uh, the training camp interceptions. My goodness. 
Um, this is a thing, right? Everyone's very heated about training camp interceptions. Um, the thing with training camp interceptions, everyone, it's not about the what, it's the how, right? Uh, Interceptions in training camp are not a big deal. During practice are not a big deal. You don't want your quarterback throwing zero interceptions during practice because then they're just checking down all the time. And what are you, what are you practicing at that point? Take those risks, learn the boundaries of the offense, learn what you can and can't do in games and what you aren't able to get away with, right? That, that we're all for, okay? That's the, no one's going to criticize you for those interceptions, right? No big deal. It's OTAs. And that also kind of applies to all of this. No big deal. It's OTAs. Now we shouldn't disregard new information entirely, simply because it's OTAs, which aren't super valuable. We shouldn't just like ignore it because it doesn't um, affirm our Drew Locke beliefs. You know, we shouldn't totally block it out. Um, However, you know, it is OTA, so it's not the end of the world that we're seeing issues in training camp either. Um, With that said, let's just get into it. Drew Locke threw some interceptions and people are freaking out. Um, on both ends, because you see, you know, the the Drew Lock haters. I, that term is so ridiculous to me. But if you want to call them the Drew Lock haters, uh, they have maybe been a little too critical about a training camp interception, while the uh, Drew Lock believers are maybe a little too uh, downplaying of the problem because it is a problem. Like everyone, I think on Earth would agree, interceptions. Uh, were an issue for Drew Locke last year and an issue he needs to improve. Um, And when you see him throwing interceptions somewhat similar to what we saw last year, uh, you got Justin Simmons as a lurking defender. Um, Drew Locke just totally doesn't see him, throws it. Uh, That's a pick six in a game. Um, You know, being there at practice and seeing it. Um, That's a concerning interception. Now, is, does it mean Drew Locke's going to be a bad quarterback this year? No. So we can acknowledge, wow, that was bad. That is more of the problems we saw last season. He needs to continue to improve there, right? Can acknowledge that without it being the end of the world, okay? it's Yes, it's OTAs. Not good that he's still throwing those same interceptions, Right now, maybe he was just pushing the bounds. Maybe he went, ah, Justin's there. I don't, ooh, I don't know if I want to uh, try to fit in this window, but screw it. It's OTAs. I, I believe in my arm. I'm going to do it. Uh, that's very possible. You know, it's also very hard to project and read what's happening on these plays because sometimes the defense knows the offense's play ahead of time. And the offense doesn't necessarily know that the defense knows it. Um, the, the coaches play these games to put uh, their defense in bad situations sometimes, their offense in bad situations sometimes. And we also don't know what was happening in Drew Locke's head. And all of us media members are on a hill about 20, 30 feet away, and we get to watch it once live from that angle. No replay, no jumbotron, no filming it. You know, you, you see it once and you draw your conclusions from it. So, again, not the end of the world. Let's not uh, read into it too, too much. But let's also not discount it entirely because throwing those same interceptions is important information and also concerning information. Um, but now that we dealt with that, 
a tiring bit of business. I just wanted to keep the peace a little bit before Broncos country tears itself apart at the seams. Goodness, people. Uh, try being in the middle. You know, maybe, how about this? If you're a Drew Locke supporter, say five nice things about Teddy Bridgewater. And if you don't like Locke, if you're like, ah, Broncos should have drafted Fields like me, say five nice things about Drew Locke. You know, he's doing great work by all accounts. You know, his teammates absolutely love him. That's that's something. Uh, honestly, one of the better quarterbacks already at escaping pressure when you look at his pressure rates um, compared to the the backups or uh, in 2019, the starters that, that played in front of him. Uh, uh, there's three. Uh, his arm strength is special. When, when uh, his mechanics are all put together, he can throw a beautiful football. Um, and also people say we look alike. And I take that as a compliment. He's a good-looking guy. There's my five positive Drew Locke things. Um, please exercise that as well, folks. Uh, uh, d- just try to work towards the middle. There's no need to be so divisive about something that's so uh, impossible to predict. But without further ado, let's get to our guest of the week, the legendary Joey Richards. And now we're here with Joey Richards, the man, the myth, the legend, up-and-coming star over at Mile High Sports. Find him over on Twitter at JRDrafts, JR, the word drafts, um, plural, like NFL draft. Um, Pretty easy to find him. Uh, Really, really great stuff, um, you know, with his writing uh, that he's getting started up there for Mile High Sports. Got pieces out now. Uh, breaking down that loaded cornerback room, that tight end room, um, you know, looking at some stars getting ready to break out at a uh, 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 shoot. It was Cortland Sutton coming back from injury, Draymond Jones. So go over there, check that stuff out. Um, really quick, or actually just, hey, Joey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Zach? I'm doing, I'm doing well. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We've just got – Jam packed, so many things to get into. Um, For sure. Getting into, I guess, like the the news of the day. Uh, what are your thoughts on the announcement that Peyton Manning is going into the uh, uh, Broncos Ring of Fame? Well, man, it, it's well deserved, right? This is a guy that gave me, and I'm sure you too. We're around the same age. Our best years of uh, Broncos football. When he came to a Broncos, I mean, I think we all kind of remember where we were um, going from the Tebow era to the Manning era. Just such an awesome time. And it is we're so lucky to have a guy like that in Denver for even the short stint he was here. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It really uh, revolutionized the team. And having he and Elway, um, you know, what, from like 83 to – you know, I'll say 2014 because 2015 wasn't like great quarterback play, but there was probably you know 10, 11 years of of and Jake Plummer wasn't even all that bad, but like 10, 11 years of like non Hall of Fame quarterback level play. Um, that, that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, man, it, just some of those moments you could go down memory lane with Peyton Manning. He. It, just what a special time to be a Broncos fan. I still remember going to the parade. Um, even when he was washed up, like the leadership skills he brought to that team in the Super Bowl 50, it was evident right when he left. And we had to switch to Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. 
quarterback battle. Um, just what an awesome time to be a Broncos fan. I miss it. Yeah, yeah. It was nice going into, like, um, games knowing, like, all right, we're going to put up 38, or they're going to put up 38. Um, uh, much different than, like, Ooh, I hope we can get out like a 23 to 19 win, um, which has just been the style of play the last five years. It's just not as it's not as fun being a, a defensive team in the NFL, and it's a lot more stressful. It's nice having a Peyton Manning, you know, that can just. Don't you miss those blowouts? Those were nice, huh? Blowouts were nice. I miss <laughs> blowouts. Blowout wins are, are fun. I mean, we had some occasionally, like uh, Josh Rosen Cardinals. Um, I'm trying to think. What was it? Case Keenum? Is that a Case I, Keenum game? I think it. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Case Keenum. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. Um, yeah. Anyways, speaking of uh, uh, Josh Rosen, Drew Locke um, has been throwing a lot. Of, no, it's that's mean. It's unfair. Locke has been better than Rosen, but uh, Locke um, struggling a little bit in camp. Reports are. Uh, you know, had some interceptions on the first day of OTAs. Um, you know, Bridgewater looking better, though. It should be noted he also had a interception. And, man, the, the arm velocity is uh, very different. There's there's a disparity there. Um, but what are your thoughts on, I guess, the competition, because we'll be focusing on defense today, um, and, and then also just interceptions and OTAs and, you know, that, how much they matter and, and all that. All right, for sure. I mean, as far as the um... – the competition goes in a perfect world you do want drew lock to win this battle it just he simply has more um upside than teddy bridgewater was we know what teddy bridgewater is he's a nice game manager type quarterback and even that's putting it nicely as he threw quite a bit of interceptions last year um so in a perfect world you do want drew lock to win this battle but it you can't win a locker room over just giving it to somebody. That's just not how it's going to work. If you brought in a quarterback as competition, I think it should be fair competition. Best quarterback wins. Um, as far as the interceptions go, I really don't put much stock into it. And I know everyone's freaking out about it. But this is the time where quarterbacks try different things. You you have to know what you can get away with, what you can't. Drew Locke doesn't have a lot of games under his belt. So it doesn't shock me. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me either. I mean, his last year play worries me more than some OTA interceptions. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like there are a million better reasons to be worried about Drew Locke. And at the end of the day, it is just OTAs. A point I was making earlier in my little intro to our interview was that for me, it, what matters is what are the interceptions? Cause like you said, if they're trying new things and pushing the boundaries of the offense, that's healthy. Like you want to. You see your quarterbacks doing that, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Drew Locke. I think the concern becomes, you know, is it a breeding the field issue like like we've seen in the past, or is it, you know, um, he had bad, bad mechanics on a throw, so he overthrew a receiver by five yards and it went to a safety behind the receiver. You know, if you're seeing throws like that, I think that's more reason for a concern. Um <clears throat> Not that, uh, uh, I don't know, that, uh, not that that applies to anything, but um, I think that's what it comes down to, for me at least, in regards to how much I uh, uh, weigh an OTA interception. Yeah, that's totally true. You know, it's hard for me to judge because 
I wasn't there. It's hard. It's hard to tell what type of interception. You're completely right. I guess if they were just like an overthrown ball, a ball over the ten yard, ten yards over the receiver's head, interception. That's that's worrisome. That's something that's mechanical. You have to fix. Um, and going into the season, that's not a good sign. It is interesting though. I mean, it's we just started, so I, everyone's freaking out. Let, let let's get through training camp. Let's see how they look and let's reevaluate. Absolutely, and people shouldn't be freaking out because, like you said, most people aren't there, like you, and and don't know they're getting all the, what happened on these interceptions secondhand. And frankly, uh, even the people there, I think, don't have the best idea. There's a lot of people smarter than me at, at reading things. Like I think. Brandon Stokely was there, and he obviously played in the NFL, so I'm sure he can get a better inkling looking at something live like that and, and adjust to the speed better. But watching it from the angle and the distance you're watching it from, once without a Jumbotron replay, even like you're watching the game in stadium, or, you know, it's not film study. Like, think about how subjective scouting is, and you have hours of all 22 that you can watch a million times. Um, uh, with the training camp stuff, it's one live instance, and you have to take in all the information, like what route the receiver was running, what the defense was doing in that point, what the, their responsibilities were, what like what Locke was seeing or reading. Like, there's just, in my opinion, there's no way you can take all that in. So I think it's a lot of educated guesswork, emphasis on educated, but it just seems, uh, uh, like you said, people shouldn't be panicking. Um, yeah, uh, looking at now uh, on the, I guess, competition point of things, over on the defensive end, we'll be looking at defensive training camp battles. Uh, I think the big one here is uh, the loaded position group cornerback. Um, you know, Sertan getting mixed in there, Darby, Kyle Fuller uh, joining Bryce Callahan, who uh, probably was the best of the bunch last year. Um what do you think that uh, uh, starting unit looks like? I think you start off like with your three three corner set. You're going to have the vets out there, and Sertan won't play. But it is important to note that the odds of both Darby and Callahan staying healthy throughout an entire season are like zero. Like both these guys, Darby just had his first healthy season of his career last year. Callahan is yet to have it. Sertan is going to get plenty of action, and um, he's going to be valuable. I mean, we saw how big depth was last year. There, there should be no question on whether Sertan was a good pick or not, and I see that a lot. Um, as far as the starting unit goes, that's going to be a really solid group. That's going to be really good. One of the better cornerback groups in the league. Uh, I mean, I can't think of a better four. I, I can't think of a team with – a fourth corner as talented as Patrick Sertan. I don't think there is one. I think there's few with a, a top three. That's really like the the Patriots are probably there. Um, maybe the Dolphins. There's a couple teams, but I don't think there are many teams where you're like they have a three as as good as the Broncos. Um, and then you look at Ojemudi as the number five guy who has been getting rave reviews at camp and with good reason. He looked great. Um, like that top five is is silly. Oh, it's crazy. And when even looking into the future, I mean, you have uh, you have Fuller and um, Callahan both going to be free agents this next year. 
OG Moody, take, just taking reps as your fifth corner, can he get special teams, and then hopefully by next year, ready to go. He has all the tools. It's going to be great. Yeah, it really will be. And honestly, I hope they keep Callahan just because he is still fairly young. Um, you know, he's uh, on the right side of 30. Um, he should be fairly cheap based on his injury history. And he plays like an all-pro nickel. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take 12 games of that. And maybe the four, the other four I have to put in a saying Bassey or Kerry Vincent Jr. or whatever. But with how much dime the Broncos are likely to be playing, that second slot's probably uh, a, a pretty strong player as well, um, especially with how many potential options they have there. Um, and I guess we'll transition there. Who do you think is going to win the battles at the end of the roster at cornerback? Because I think the top five is pretty clear, right? We talked about that four with, with Sir Tan rounding it out. And then Ojemudi, I think, is very clearly the fifth. Um, but the guys behind um, Ojemudi is where I think it gets interesting. Looking at a saying Bassey, um, Parnell Motley, who I actually really liked in the draft last year and then became an undrafted free agent, bounced around the league a bit. But like I don't want him being your cornerback one like he was in week 16 last year. But um, really, I don't know. I think there's something there with him. Uh, they also, of course, have, uh, like I said, a saying Bassey, uh, Parnell Motley, Kerry Vincent Jr., Mac McCain, an undrafted free agent um, that they signed this, this season, and Duke Dawson, um, Jr., uh, who's coming off a pretty nasty ACL injury. Um, who do you think is maybe the one or two cornerbacks there that uh, separate? Yeah, it's crazy. Like you said, there's a, there's already five locked up. Last year they brought six into the roster. So it's going to be tight, and there is a lot of competition down there. So it's an interesting question. I think just looking at it, you're five. You only have one real nickel corner there. Um so that six should be a nickel corner in my mind. So it kind of depends on the on the injuries with uh, Bassey and Dawson. So I think I think it gives Harry Vincent a little bit of a leg there. Now, if Bassey comes back and he's healthy, his experience, the coaching staff obviously loved him. I mean, he's an undrafted guy that got actual playing time last year as a rookie. Yeah. Um, so if he's healthy and ready to go, I think he makes the roster. But if he's not, I think Kerry Vincent now has a right away at it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's going to be one of those nickel slot guys. Um, Dawson, he is a good player. And, I mean, I hope he, he catches on with someone. But that knee injury is devastating. And I think, like, that that back end is so hard to compete. Like Michael Ojemudia this time last year was projected to be a starter as a rookie. And year two, Michael Ojemudia is going to be a better player because he's not going to be a, a, a rookie and a fairly raw rookie too. Um, uh, he, he's going to be a much better player. Now he's cornerback five and he was cornerback two or three this time last year. Um, uh, uh, it just, yeah, the, Duke Dawson, through no fault of his own, is just in an uphill battle. It's like uh, this would normally; these guys would normally be competing for like cornerback four, and they're instead competing for cornerback six or seven at the very back end of the roster. And it'll be tough for Dawson on that uh, knee injury. I do think McCain 
might have an under the radar chance. Like he uh, is an exciting nickel option. Um, not that I've watched much of him coming through the draft, but I, I've heard um, people excited about him. Kerry Vincent Jr. I actually really like. Um, I'm with you. I, I kind of think it's him um, or Bassey. I could see it being six guys, or uh, sorry, seven rather. Um, I think Vincent maybe as a punt returner or a kick returner could uh, uh, see some playing time um, because he's such a good athlete, really high rat score, um, uh, great short area quickness, and great uh, uh, speed as well. Um, I think they're going to be looking for someone who can maybe um, offer more versatility than Deontay Spencer. Um because all Deontay Spencer is is doing is taking up a roster spot as a returner right now. If you can find a guy that can be a receiver and a returner, like maybe KJ Hamler, if he ends up being uh, not a starter, because Tim Patrick's the starter, uh, I could see him doing that. I could also maybe see Kerry Vincent Jr. So yeah, I think it comes down to injury. If Bassey's good, I think he's the favorite. Um, but coming off an ACL, I think uh, Vincent's got a great shot at it. Yeah, and like you were saying with. Uh, McCain, I, I didn't study him at all. I don't know anything about him, but he does have a shot. The Broncos have invested nothing in these other guys. We're talking about a really late round pick with Vincent and an undrafted free agent with Bassey. He, he has just as good a shot as anybody if he performs. Yeah, exactly. They don't have enough invested in any of these guys to, um, you know, keep them on the roster for that reason. It really should be the best of this bunch. And, and that's very promising. Um, you know, the fact that, uh, the fact that um, you are getting the best of this bunch, um, you're not going to have to, uh, uh, I don't know, like the, you see cornerback six on a depth chart. It's kind of like we were talking about, um, you know, with the draft earlier, like you're going to trade up all these picks to take the number or the number three quarter quarterback in the draft class. And it's like, well, he might not be the the number three quarterback to them. And the number three quarterback drafted could sometimes be Patrick Mahomes, you know, like or Deshaun Watson. It can work out for you. Um, it's a, a situation based thing. And here for the Broncos at cornerback, like because the top five are all starting caliber players that number six number seven guy like you're looking at very very good depth players battling it out and because you don't have much invested in any of them you're guaranteed to get the best of the bunch they cast a a wide net but they're going to get um great talent as a result and maybe it is mccain but if mccain beats out bassey and vincent it's not like bassey all of a sudden forgot how to play football like mccain was just better than him and that's even more promising right and it gives you you kind of were alluding this earlier, but you get to pick a more well-rounded guy. Like your six cornerback should be nice on special teams. He should be yeah. good. So, I mean, if McCain goes out there and is just a dog on special teams, he he could get that job. Like it, it's it's gonna be interesting. That six cornerback rarely plays. It did last year, but I'll still say that it rarely plays. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a guy like Motley, even you said it's it's gonna be a fight on the cornerback depth chart. Really will be, and to that point, like special teams, special teams, special teams. It's been you know beaten to death. It's a major issue for the Broncos and has been for like five, six, seven years now. Um, 
getting guys like Ojemudia to be big contributors on special teams, like that just makes the whole unit um, so much better because it's not some back end of the roster guy. It's a guy who could be starting on defense uh, now uh, being a sole contributor on special teams and um, upgrading that unit. Like if the special teams gets upgraded a good bit, that also helps this defense be even more elite because now rather than having to defend opponents for – 60 or 70 yards it's 80 yards you know and it, it sounds silly but that uh, uh, does make a, a pretty big difference yeah totally totally starting linebacker i think this is the other one everyone has their eyes on um alexander johnson josie jewel justin sternad baron browning i think any combination of those four guys could be the favorite or not the favorite could be the uh, starter week one though i think there are clear favorites um how do you see that battle shaping up so i think that you start your base is going to be with alexander johnson and josie jewel i think you you run those two back they just have the most experience out of them they know what they're doing in the fangio defense um, all of that. Now, Browning's interesting to me because even at Ohio State, they did a lot of cool things with him in different packages. That's something where I think he sees the field on the Broncos defense. And who knows? He could just go out there and outperform some of these guys. I don't know. I'm just putting my money on Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson off the experience. But um, man, having the luxury of, okay, hey, it's third and long. We're going to bring Baron Browning in as a pass rusher because we're blitzing right now. Or we're going to bring Baron Browning in, bet on his tra- uh, his traits, drop him back in coverage, and he may make a play. That's stuff that Broncos just didn't have last year. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, I, I agree betting on Johnson and Jewel um, uh, off the jump, or at least – maybe Johnson and Sternad. People want Browning, I think, to be this instant impact guy, and he can win with traits, like you said, and, and can get on to the field, and I want to touch on that. But like the thing he struggled with at Ohio State was uh, reading the play and the mental aspect of it. And I think it does seem unfair to expect this guy who um, was uh, – I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but like mentally maybe a little – behind in college but see that sounds like i'm saying he's slow or something which isn't the case at all um at least from what i've heard but maybe like uh uh like struggling with processing on the college level you're expecting him to um come up to the pro level and be a better processor at the pro level than he was at college um day one to the people who think who think he's going to get that starting job um and i think that's unfair i agree with you where it's like i i think he's going to get onto the field a good bit in packages uh, or select packages and with a defined role. And I think in that role, he can be great because, or in that situation where he has a defined role, he can be great because his traits are so special and he is such an elite blitzer. Like I think you want it to be a situation where you're like, all right, your job on this play is get at the quarterback, like fill to your run fit and then get into the backfield, create havoc. Like that's your role on this play. And he'll do it, and he'll do a great job of it. Like, he is a great football player. I think, again, the processing is what's going to have to catch up and why I wouldn't have him starting or really put him in a complex role. But, like, hey, it's third and, I don't know, 13 here or something. Like, man up on Travis Kelsey. 
uh, that's a huge ask. So maybe not the best example, but like man up on it's week one, let's say man up on Evan Ingram uh, or, or something like that. Uh, carry him downfield. Just like make sure that's not a easy completion and you'll have uh, help over the top from Simmons or Jackson. Maybe just like don't get beat off the line of scrimmage. Baron Browning can do that. Like I think the easier um, or the simpler and uh, clearer defined his role can be, uh, the better he will be early on. Um, so like you said, just using him smartly, getting him on the field in those right packages, and I think he can be uh, great for you. Um, right, yeah. He, uh, I mean, like just going back to what you said, it is unfair. This is a guy that was – that Ohio State team – was loaded at linebacker. And because of that, he was in and out, in and out. He never got a, um, he never got the playing time. And you often see this with, with linebackers. If they don't get the playing time, the processing is going to be behind. So with experience, he'll get better. But asking him to step on an NFL field today and be a starting caliber linebacker is a hard task. Now, he simply is the best athlete on our linebackers and he is the best pass rusher on our linebackers. So going back, I mean, he will have some sort of role starting. I'm not sure. Yeah. And like arguing he's the best athlete at linebacker in the AFC West is not a crazy thing. Like arguing he's the best athlete at linebacker in a lot of the divisions is not like, and we're looking at a guy who's a top uh, point. What is it? Yeah. Point two percent. He was a, I think he was like a point zero two or something. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, out of two thousand athletes, he's like in the top four. Two thousand or twenty one hundred linebackers, he's like in the top four. It's insane. So, uh, like even above a guy like Micah Parsons, who was talked about as a, a elite athlete. Now, how did such an elite athlete, who also showed great pass rushing and edge promise, go in the third round? It's just what Joey said. He's a little inexperienced, and that's why like, I think he's going to be a. a a great starter for the Broncos for years. I just don't think that is um, in year one, uh, but I do think he'll be a big contributor. The one thing I want to touch on uh, otherwise a linebacker is I do think Sternad could steal the job from either Johnson or Jewel because the Broncos can save um, 3.3 million by moving on from Johnson, uh, 2.1 million, I believe by moving on from Jewel uh, against the cap, this is factoring in dead cap numbers. Um, uh, and the spot that Jewel is in really reminds me to where Todd Davis is, where he's like a fine starter. No criticism against Jewel. Like the Broncos will be fine with a linebacker core of Johnson and Jewel this season. Um, but I do wonder, and I do think you're ultimately right that that is probably the most likely Week One starting linebacker group. But I would have said the same thing about like Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson last year. And they went, we know what Todd Davis is. He's fairly expensive. He was, they'd say $4 million, which is a bit more, but not, not all that different from what they'd say by getting rid of Jewel. Um, and uh, they wanted to see what the young guys behind him had. Um, you know, of course, Stern had got injured and that kind of messed up the plan somewhat, but uh, you still had Jewel, um, and then like Josh Watson and whatnot, those guys. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think uh, uh, Jewel's not a lock for the starting job, though I do think he's the favorite. Yeah, no, I, and I'm, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, if Shrenad goes out there, based off what we heard from training camp last year, 
and from what I saw while he was in college. He's not an elite athlete. Um, he's no. kind of sized, but if you're looking for a guy that's going to cover better, that's going to probably be Stranet. Now, I think in a scenario where you get rid of uh, Josie Jewell and move on, you have to feel pretty comfortable from what you see from Browning in training camp just because yeah. of Stranet injury history you want to have a guy behind that who's pretty good um so i guess there's even a scenario where if stranad lights it up in training camp he's just awesome you still keep josie jewel and now he's the backup linebacker i mean there's there's a million different scenarios linebacker core it doesn't have a superstar on it right now but depth throughout looks pretty solid yeah that's a great point like we're talking about a cornerback you know they might keep four inside linebackers and if your four is johnson jewel sternad and browning you're very very happy or even if you get rid of jewel and that fourth guy at the back end is like josh watson or something i think you're pretty happy browning also a guy who will make a huge impact on special teams this year with his athleticism um and ability to uh uh hit so i think that's um very exciting the the reason i like sternad last thing i'll say on linebacker and move on to the next one um I think he can offer that coverage, like you were saying, uh, but he is polished. Like he is super um, sky high football IQ, great instincts, um, and he can be that uh, uh, starter while uh, maybe Browning continues to learn, or that guy who helps in coverage while Browning's continuing to learn. Um, backup safety is the next one I have, and I didn't really think this would be a battle. But uh, just because I forgot about Trey Marshall, I kind of wrote him off after the selections of Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson. But um, coaching staff loves Trey Marshall, and he's still uh, uh, seeing solid work in training camp. So uh, I do think that actually is a bit of a battle. Um, And with how loaded the cornerback room is, I don't think they'll carry five safeties. So uh, how do you think that backup safety battle works? plays out yeah it's interesting because i don't you can't you you're not going to be able to sneak a jamar johnson or a caden stearns on the practice squad that's just not going to happen properly um i don't think i mean you could probably sneak trey marshall on there but it's another one of those things where i think the investment on jamar johnson and caden stearns do give them the leg up i mean they're rookies they're young and you just put a draft pick on them so I think that does. Now, what's interesting about Jamar Johnson is I think he's a better defender than a special teams player just because of the tackling issues. I don't know how he's going to be on special teams. Um, And as a backup safety, that's something you definitely are looking for a special teams value. Uh, So it's hard to say, but I I do. At the end of the day, the investment on the two safeties give them the leg up in my mind. Yeah, I agree. They've got more, in, and that's the thing. I I had completely forgotten about Trey Marshall was pen, penciling them in, but I feel like I feel like I'm discounting Trey Marshall too much. Is where it's at for me. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, ways I can say this because there's guidelines to what we can say about uh, OTAs. But um, yeah, I think Marshall has a better shot than people are expecting um but for me what it comes what it really comes down to i think marshall might be a better safety than caden stearns 
Keenster's is way more upside, but just when you look at um, how he declined the last two years, maybe uh, uh, some character questions or, or whatnot, Th- though he has unbelievable talent and instincts that he flashed during his freshman season. Um, because of his athleticism, he offers a lot on special teams, and they are clearly investing a lot in improving that special teams. I think he offers more on special teams than Marshall in that sense. But the coaching staff loves Marshall. And I don't think he should be counted out entirely. Maybe they do keep five safeties. I'd rather keep seven cornerbacks. And if you're keeping 12 guys in the backfield, I don't know. That just seems like a lot to me. But yeah, It's also a little risky going into the season with Kareem Jackson at his age with safeties behind him that have zero NFL experience. They just have none. That's true. I do think Jamar Johnson is the type of guy who can make a, a pretty quick impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jamar Johnson, great, great coverage guy. You're losing a lot in the run there. True. If, if he ever figures out tackling, his ceiling is ridiculously high. His coverage is awesome. But, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a little risky going into the season. Now, everything we hear out of OTAs right now is Jamar Johnson is falling out. It's all we hear. So it's a good sign. Yeah, he's he's looking awesome. And I think, again, to just he seemed like the type of guy who was going to translate to the NFL fairly quickly. Just looking at the head games he played with Justin Fields being a great example, like how smart of a player he was. Um, and, yeah, it's great to see it happen. Last one, and I know this one's a bit of a uh, – or last battle, and then we'll get into Twitter questions – I know this one's a bit of a uh, – has a guy you've got a bit of a crush on here. Um, Derek Tuska against your boy Jonathan Cooper, I think, over at Backup Edge. Um, what do you see going on with this battle? Man, that one's tough because Tuska I really liked too. I, I, I think Cooper is more of your prototype – from what you're looking for in a three. I mean, they're both not your prototype. The Cooper lacks in length. Tusk just lacks in size overall. Athleticism. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if I'm looking at who's more in the mold, I think Cooper has the edge. Now, Cooper is has an injury, which is probably why he fell in the draft. Cooper, Cooper, people sleep on, man. He's a five-star athlete coming out of high school. The injury sucked in college, but the dude is talented. He's a good football player. I mean, you go through some of those games last year at Ohio State, and he had a real impact. Um, I think the better player is Cooper. Yeah, I agree. I My money's on Cooper here, and I'm not as high on him as you and I think some other people are. Um, like, I, The upside's definitely there, like you said, five-star athlete. I just didn't see enough of it in college and the injuries and whatnot uh, worry me. So I'm not as high on him, but I, I do think he can beat out Derek Tuska. I just think Derek Tuska, like, I hate to say it, but he just doesn't look like an NFL athlete. Like, he sticks out at training camp in a wrong way, especially when, like, the back end of that edge rushing room is, like, Malik Reed making unbelievable plays. Uh uh, there was a pass rushing snap during scrimmage. I didn't see it talked about as much as the Justin Simmons one. And this I don't think is – this is more of a great play by Malik Reed than a bad play by Locke. 
Um, and I'm surprised I haven't seen more people talking about it. I think people were worried about um, if they're allowed to report it. But Lockwood dropped back, um, and on the backswing of his throw, uh, had a fumble. Ball goes out like kind of backwards. Malik Reed battling with I forget who is um, left tackle on the rep, but battling with whoever was because they're rotating everyone all the time. It wasn't like with the ones or the two. It's a hodgepodge. I don't know who's with who. Okay, so I'm not reporting on personnel, everybody. I'm just, okay. So Malik Reed going against whoever's at left tackle. With the left tackle blocking him is getting pressure and sees the ball uh, slip out, makes a head-up play, and gets the interception um, before it touches the ground or everything while still being blocked. And then, like, uh, you know, the offensive line is not going to tackle Reed to the ground during practice, but, you know, kind of shook off the block and then ran towards where the end zone would have been. Just an unbelievable athletic play by Reed. Um, so you've got him. You've got PETA. Um, uh, I'll just call him PETA because I, I won't be able to pronounce his last name and I don't have it written down in front of me to even um, make the attempt. Um, who is just... Uh, maybe the best athlete in that edge rushing room, which is crazy to say, uh, but he, he's more of a long shot. Um, and then Jonathan Cooper, like you said, five-star athlete. Uh, Derek Kuska sticks out like a sore th- thumb in that group. And I just, I struggled to see, maybe he's a practice squad guy again. That wouldn't surprise me. But um, yeah, I just, I don't know how he can crack the final roster. Oh uh, yeah. I, 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 I agree with you. Aesthetically, he just doesn't look like he belongs in that group. Uh, hopefully he proves us wrong. I like his college tape. He's quick. He's bendy. I like all of that, but we'll see. That's good pass rush moves, but yeah, he just, I don't know, he, get, he gets manhandled at the NFL. It's like, it can, it can work for a Philip Lindsay at running back, but when you're an edge rusher and you have to go up against like tackles every rep, it gets rough to have such a... a, a uh, like size and athletic disadvantage kind of it's it's a problem um all right so that uh takes care of that time for uh some twitter questions i got some good ones um sorry one second <laughs> um starting up first with uh brie the uh nuggets bad luck charm um <laughs> I'd like she goes. I'd like to hear more regarding the strength of the defense for this upcoming season. Do you think we can appreciate the stellar opportunities without rushing to compare to previous successful seasons with a top tier D? Um, I think kind of like. Do you think we'll be able to enjoy the great defense this year, or will it kind of be like? Will they be forced to live in the shadow of maybe the 2015 squad if they aren't able to to win the city of Super Bowl? I hate to be the one that does this, but so much of it depends on the offense, which sounds crazy, but, but you're not wrong. Yeah, it, it just does. I mean, if the Broncos are winning, people will appreciate the defense. If they're not winning, no one will care. That's just how it's going to be. It's going to be all about the quarterback. If the quarterback's playing good, um, we'll celebrate. If the quarterback's not, everyone will freak out. Unfortunately, that's just, that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, I, I I think you're dead on, unfortunately, but you're right. Um, uh, which outcome is better? Uh, this is from, uh, or sorry, that last one was from Bree at Bree Bree 0322. Uh, this one from J Park at Geophysics Panda. Um, which outcome is better long-term for the Broncos this season? 
um, going nine and eight slash ten and seven and becoming a winning franchise again, making playoffs but losing in wild card round, uh, not being a true Super Bowl contender, um, and still ha- not having a clear answer at quarterback, or going one and sixteen and getting a top three pick. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, let's think. I. If you want to think, I've got my answer. Oh yeah. People are going to hate me for it, but I'd rather win one game. <laughs> I think it's better for the long term. And I want my team to win not just this year, but 10 years down the road. I want them to be a winning franchise. And if we are that bad, it means that the quarterback isn't good enough. And if I can get in position to draft a quarterback and set my team up for future success, that's what I'd rather do. So I think that's very reasonable and so and there are definitely times i've had a a similar viewpoint because it unfortunately like a lot of it comes down to the quarterback the only way to be a consistent competitor like you can have one-off seasons but if you want to compete for a decade plus and at least be in the conversation of the playoffs or the super bowl every year comes down to getting that quarterback um so i understand the logic there however I think at this point, we are five years removed from the Broncos showing a pulse. And I think being a wild card team, saving Vic Fangio's job, um, keeping this coaching staff intact, um, uh, and then going into uh, uh, next year and still addressing quarterback. The other thing is, I think you can address quarterback at nine and eight. That's one of the records they throw out here. If you're nine and eight and make the playoffs, you're probably picking eighteenth or nineteenth. Like Malik Willis or Carson Strong can be on the board at eighteenth or nineteenth. Like I don't know who I feel I need to have a top three pick for in next year's draft that like I'm so fired up about. If it was like twenty twenty one and we're talking about Trevor Lawrence or, you know, twenty twenty three and we're talking about Ui Galele or, you know, some of the the exciting uh, up and coming guys, uh, I'd maybe be more gung ho about it. But the last thing is, if you're going one in sixteen, you're right. The quarterback is a problem, but you got a lot more problems than just quarterback. You know, if you go one in sixteen, we saw the the injuries last year, and they still went five and eleven or whatnot, um, six and ten. Um, if you're going one sixteen, like it's just a bad. Run. I think that more it looks more like full teardown. Well, nine and eight, I think you can still have this. All we need is the quarterback philosophy, and you'll be very similar to um, the Tim Tebow team, Mm. right? And what the Tebow team did was it made the Broncos a very attractive landing spot for Peyton Manning because it went, look what we can do with this bum. Imagine if you came here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't get traded this offseason, will be available next offseason. Russell Wilson is probably getting traded next offseason. I am praying the Broncos aren't the ones to do it, but Deshaun Watson um, might be, unfortunately, available next offseason. Uh, I'm trying to think of more vets, but there are more vets even than that. Jameis Winston, another guy who I would want the Broncos to take uh, for off-field reasons, uh, but he might be available next offseason. Um, there are a lot of interesting like borderline starters uh, coming up um, in the next couple seasons. Um uh, that I just don't think should be counted. Jimmy Garoppolo even maybe. Not that I would want the Broncos to take him, but there are, uh, I don't know, mainly Rodgers and Wilson are the are the two headliners. And then I think you can also, 
with the 20th pick or, or what have you, take an interesting quarterback in next year's class. Like, not a superstar prospect, but, like, I think that's probably where Malik Willis goes. Coming out of Liberty and the weird uh, Bryles offense that it is very non-NFL pro scheme, or maybe Carson Strong, who is more like Jordan Love than Trey Lance. Maybe he goes in that 18-20 range, like... Oh, that that was my thought process on that one. Yeah, it's an interesting question because it's one of those team building questions that you're going to ask ten people and five of them are going to have one answer and the other five are going to have a different answer. It's, it's one of those interesting questions. Yeah, if and it's tough. If you're guaranteeing a hit on the top three quarterback, then like if right. it's one in sixteen, find the answer at quarterback or go nine and eight and not have the answer that's a tougher question um to what extent this one was my favorite one of the bunch so i want to make sure we hit it um uh uh, we'll close with that one really quick i want to hit um this one what do you think the running back situation is going to look like this season will gordon and williams be 50 50 or do you think one of them uh is more predominant um, so I think it starts out as you're going to see 50-50 at the beginning. Now, I think Javante Williams is going to play so well that he ends up taking the majority of the snaps. So he'll still do a running back by committee type situation. But towards the end of the year, you're going to want to get him in a groove anyways because Melvin Gordon's probably gone after this year. If you can get Javante Williams rolling by the end of this year, carry that into next year, that, that, that's the ideal situation. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it goes that exact way. Um, all right. Last one. Uh, to what extent is upside valuable? And, uh, oh, I haven't been giving people credit. Uh, that last one was from Joshua Chung at Chunger underscore Kames. That's a good at, um, this one from Cal at uppercut of, um, uh, to what extent is upside valuable and for how long throughout the quote unquote project should it be valued? Uh, it's a bit of a lot question. Um, does upside imply a certain amount of mental game or is it more so just a synonym for arms and legs? That's, that's a really good question. I can, uh, if you need a second to think about it. I think uh, I'll start off with the mental for, for me scouting I don't have the luxury to gauge a player's mental whatsoever. I can only go off of what I see on film and with the film that's available to me. Um, so it is kind of an arm, it's kind of a legs thing, arms and legs thing for me because I can't do the mental. Now, if, if I were an NFL scout and I had the ability to interview these guys and stuff like that, it totally would be a mental match with it. That's that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, okay, can this guy mentally improve? And if he does that, what does it look like with the physical traits, right? Um, and then I think there was a second part of that question. What was the first part? Or Yeah, the other part of the question was, um, to what extent is that upside valuable? And how long um, should that upside be valued? You right. know, without getting yeah. results, kind of. Okay, so I'll kind of just talk about draft-wise because that's kind of my wheelhouse. Mm. In the first round, you're looking to match 
the pro ready with the elite traits. That's what you're looking for. Your perfect first round prospect is the pair of those. As you get further along, you're kind of banking on upside or safe. And I think each evaluator would have a different opinion on that. There's a lot of guys that like the safe picks. Hey, I know this guy will fill a role on my team. And then there's other people that'll say, hey, but this guy has elite potential. This guy can be an every down guy, whereas this guy won't. Um, so I, for me, I think how is upside valued? That's a loaded question, man. Okay, here, you go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it for a second. On the arms and legs versus mental game part, I think it comes down to what are we talking about? Like you said, in scouting, I think, especially on the media end, it really is arms and legs when we're talking quarterback. Um, however, I think when we get away from that scouting lens and we get into the pro game, upside is 100% mental like all of mac jones's upside is mental he's not gonna be like his game is based on um being the smartest guy on the field and he is not gonna be that week one or two it's why i think our definitions of pro ready are totally wrong the guys who rely on being smart yeah they might be really smart but they're not going to be smarter than everyone at the NFL level because they're a rookie and they rely on being smart. Well, yeah, these athletic guys, maybe, um, you know, they don't, again, there's also a lot of racial stereotyping, like not to go down that rabbit hole, but like, uh, uh, you know, these guys that are said to not be as smart, but have the incredible athletic gifts, um, you know, they'll be able to win with those athletic gifts from day one because that won't change at the uh, NFL level. All the mental ability uh, uh, might because you're in a new system and playing at an entirely different level of the game. Um, but anyways, yeah, once you get away from that scouting area and we're talking about the Mac Jones or like a Drew Locke, a lot of his upside has to do with mental stuff and like um, – you know, that stuff. Or like Joe Burrow is a better example. Joe Burrow, I think, has a lot of upside and could be a really good quarterback. I'm not talking about arms and legs when I say that. I'm, I'm talking about, I guess, his mental ability and how good of a processor he is. And during the draft process, you know, I wouldn't talk about him with that upside. During the draft process, it does seem to be more of a conversation of arms and legs. But it's a tricky one. Um, as for the other part of the question, like to what extent is upside valuable? I think it is a, a case by case basis and it comes down to what's the cost and what's the benefit. Um, uh, cause how long waiting, like, I guess you're waiting for different, like bus stops is the analogy I'd use. And like, if, I don't know. The Broncos had the 16th pick this year. I would have felt way le- or like the 20th pick this year, um, but Locke had the exact same season. I wouldn't have felt as interested in the quarterbacks. I still probably would have wanted to trade up or whatever. But I think um, that the upside of the prospect you still have is more valued than because the other alternative isn't as desirable because it's either more expensive to acquire that guy or you're not looking as as exciting of a prospect. So it's kind of that what's the opportunity cost maybe of staying patient for me? And then also what flashes have you seen that should give you patience? If it's like, like Locke has shown some flashes. I don't want to say he's shown no flashes, 
but he's also also shown very few flashes. Like it's scarce. I think Josh Allen showed way more flashes of what he could be one day in his first two years with the Bills than Locke has shown with the Broncos. Locke has been a lot more suckage. Now, I'm not saying there haven't been flashes. There are. And he could, like, before people jump down my throat, there have been flashes. Um, I think part of the problem with him is those flashes have been very, 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 like, way fewer than you would uh, hope, even from a struggling prospect. Um, so, yeah, that's what it would come down for me. Uh, this, uh, yeah, like this past offseason, I would have wanted the Broncos to draft a quarterback. If, like, for some weird fluky reason, the quarterback played the exact same way, but they were picking 25th this season instead, I would have been like, yeah, your best option probably is to roll with Drew Locke or get one of these veterans. Um, So, yeah, what are the other options is what it comes down to for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess it upside really has no value until it until it hits. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the reality of it. It really has no upside until it hits. So you just have to see, you have to base it off the improvements you see, like you were saying, flashes. Um, How does this guy look from this year to the next year? In scouting, I would look, okay, how does this guy look from his junior to senior year? So how much did he improve? So. so I'm going to say, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's excellent process, but it just goes to show how funny and fickle this thing is because the reason I was so against Herbert was, yeah, Justin Herbert's an awesome athlete, but he didn't improve at all at Oregon. He's the same guy he was his freshman year. And then he takes a massive leap out of the blue and he has one of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback we've ever seen. So it just goes to show how impossible this is and why everyone – uh, don't be so tribal because you might be wrong through no fault of your own. This it's just impossible to predict. Oh, just, that's impossible. Uh, understand that. Um, anyways, Joey, thank you so much for joining me. My first ever guest on the show. Um, wanted to give you some love. Uh, doing great work for Mile High Sports. Uh, find him on Twitter at JR Drafts. Um, ha- great scouting tidbits. Um, uh, uh, great X's and O's knowledge of the game. Um, yeah, th- great stuff. And, uh, thanks for joining me, Joey. Hey man, I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Have a good one, man. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, and thanks for having me on. That was a blast. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. Great stuff there from Joey. Uh, thanks so much again, uh, Tim for joining us and thanks to you for joining us. This was a bit of a, a long one, but just had so much I wanted to, uh, get to with him and, had a had a lot of thoughts myself on those topics um but yeah make sure you're checking out joey uh at jr drafts on twitter um writing over at milehighsports.com been blown away by the stuff he's been doing uh for us so far um can't recommend it enough truly 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 exceptional work uh so check that out um as for me we'll be back here this week uh looking at more uh training camp goodies um, you know, and, and what's going on with the quarterback competition, though, hopefully, uh, we can get away from the quarterback competition because I'm about, a, a, as tired of that conversation as I bet the rest of you are. Um, but until next time, uh, let's get fired up. <laughs>